Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. Uh, welcome everyone, thanks so much for joining us here today. If you're new, uh, special welcome to you if you're visiting, great to have you here. If you're watching online, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to be continuing our series on uh, James, we've been working through the book of James as we um, have been coming out into the, the new year. Uh, before we do that, I just want to do a quick kind of little journey in terms of how we get to the book of James and it all starts... Uh, in the very beginning of the Bible, when we look uh, at Genesis 1, God creates the world. Uh, and as God creates the world, He, he makes everything good, uh, and everything is functioning according to how God has created it. Adam and Eve are in the garden, they're naming things, and things are going really good. Uh, and then we get to Genesis chapter 3. Uh, and as we get to Genesis chapter 3, we come along a serpent uh, who asks Eve if she's interested in eating some fruit. Um, And we know how this story goes, Uh, and so what eventually happens, so if we get to, so Genesis chapter 3 verses 6 says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good uh, for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, uh, she took it and ate it. And so she she sees this fruit, she sees this wisdom that it offers and she decides this is something that is best for her despite the fact that it was against how God had commanded her to live. Uh, and so as we continue on, so she, she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Uh, then the eyes of them were both opened and they realized they were naked. They sewed fig leaves to the, together and they made coverings for themselves. And so what happens here is that they see there's, that there's God has laid out a way for them to live. Uh, and then Adam and Eve come along and say, what about what do I think is best for me? Uh, and they decide to go against the way that God has created them to live. Uh, and decide to go their own way. And then as we follow from that, what comes after? A, a bunch of things that are not good. We, we have uh, all these different bad things that happen. They, they realize uh, that they, they, they're insecure about their bodies and uh, they try and cover themselves up. They hide from God. God sends them out of the garden. Uh, they, they're away from God's presence. They have some kids uh, one, one kid uh, murders the other kid, so, so Cain kills Abel, and then Abel, uh, Cain is sent further away from God to go live out uh, in the desert. And then uh, as we go through the book of Genesis, more and more problems keep happening. And so uh, people try and build a big tower uh, to try and be like God and, and do what's best for them and to, to worship themselves. And it, and it leads with them being cast further and further across the planet, further away from God. And destruction follows as people decide, this is what is best for me uh, when it is completely and fully against uh, God and who He has created us to be. And then we come uh, to the end of Genesis, in Genesis 49, um, and God starts to detail a plan for how to bring humanity back to God. And so uh, we come to the end of Jacob's life, uh, and he is outlining who, who, to his 12 sons uh, what is to become of them and how, what is to kind of, how are they to live and what is going to be happening in, in their families. Um, and in this, we have a really important one, which is the, the story of Judah and his lineage. And he says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. 
You are the lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down like a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until from, uh, to he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will garnish his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. And so this is one of the first kind of prophecies that lead to Jesus. Jesus is going to come, and we know the story of Jesus. Jesus comes down to earth. Uh, he dies on the cross for our sins. And as Judah kind of alludes to, he's victorious. He's this great king, uh, and he will rule forever. That is who, who uh, is kind of being referenced to there, and that is what is to become uh, of Judah's lineage. And so there's this story of God returning the people on earth to God through Jesus. And this is where we get to the book of James. So Jesus has come down, he's died, he's risen again, and now the church and the message of Jesus is spreading. And we have this guy called James, who, funnily enough, in Greek, his name's actually Yakobos. So it's kind of like, there's a bit of similarity. He's talking, if we look at James verse 1, uh, James 1.1 1, 1, uh, says James, uh, and he says to the 12 tribes. And so there's this kind of, this kind of cool overlap where there's this, this is Jacob talking to the 12 tribes of who we are to be. This is who we are to be, and this is how we are to live. And, and so James is this message of who we are to be and how we are to live uh, in light of Jesus and in light of who God has created us to be. Uh, and so we're going to be looking at uh, chapter 3 today, uh, and we're going to be starting uh, with verse, uh, so chapter 3, verse 13. This is what it says, So who is wise and, and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in, in the humility that comes from wisdom. And so it starts out with a bit of a, a thesis statement, but with a, a cynical tone. And so what I mean by that is it seems that the people that James is writing to uh, see themselves as particularly wise, uh, but they don't see that, that the wisdom that they're living out isn't particularly in accordance to who, with who God wants them to be, in the much way that, that Eve sees this wisdom to be gained from doing something that is not who God has made her to be. And the, the, the cynicalness of it is that the, the humility that is required from someone who is wise, according to James, is someone who would not step forward. So he's really saying, like, no one is worthy of stepping forward because if you would, then you're not stepping forward. Uh, and so there's this idea that the wisdom that is seen in the people of the book of James and this wisdom in seeing how they feel like they're supposed to live is not in line with, with humility and with good deeds and with who God has created us to be. As we get to, to verse 14, there's kind of a, an opposite uh, kind of uh, rebuke that comes in. It says, But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. And, and this is a thing that resembles uh, Eve and, and Adam, their selfishness in, in doing their own thing and doing, thing God, doing things God's way. There's this selfish ambition that we have when we look at how God has created us to live and instead we turn away and do things according to what we think is wise. We, we harbour selfish ambition and we chase things and decide that we are going to be, do a better job of, of determining how we are to live and we, we go and do selfish things and, 
And the problem is that we, we do it as if it's the right way and we, we spin the truth to make it as if that is who we are supposed to be. And, and we, we do these things and say these things that we mark it as wisdom and we mark it as this is who we are supposed to be, but in reality, it is against how God has called us to live. And most of the time, it is selfishness and envy that is driving us towards that wisdom. And this is a thing that, that is prevalent in especially Western culture. And so this is the, the, the thing that the narrative that we are continually told to ask ourselves is, what is best for me? So when it comes to a decision, when it comes to trying to figure out what do we do, the wisdom is, you've got to do what is best for you. What is best for me? How, if I'm making a decision about my job or, or my church or, or anything, is what you have to do what is best for you. In your relationships with other people, you've got to do what is best for you. And it's this, this idea of selfish ambition where you have to do what is best for you. It's not about who God has called you to be. It's not about how, how we are commanded to live. It's not about you know, doing good and loving of others. It's you have to do what is best for you. And, and part of that might be some good things in there, but broadly speaking, it is about you. And as we, as we look at that today, we, I don't want to kind of critique what happens outside the church because they, they don't have Jesus and, and we do, and James calls us to live in a certain way that does not involve that. But even though we have Jesus, and even though because of Jesus we are saved and we have this, this positional righteousness before God, so, so we, because Jesus has died on the cross for our sins, we are brought back into relationship with him, we still have some functional problems. So we are saved and we look perfect before God, but we still are pretty selfish. We still quite often will ask ourselves a question, what's best for me? Like, what do I, what do I want? When we come to church, we kind of ask ourselves, what's best for me? What do, what do I want? What do I think church needs to be? How is it going to serve me? And, and what do I need to do to make things revolve around me? And there's a few things that I, I want to look at and how our, our brokenness and our selfishness contrast with who God calls us to be uh, and who God has created us to be. And so hear me, hear me out here. I'm going to talk about things that are good and things that we are called to do, but sometimes we can, we can emphasize things or, or de-emphasize things according to what suits us. Uh, so the first one is, is in terms of how uh, we, we do church. Uh, so in, in, and in how we, we bring glory to God and how we, how we worship. Uh, and so when the way that we worship, quite often we, we emphasize aspects that come naturally to us when we do church. And so for some of you, like worship is like the, the greatest thing on the earth. And so you're like, if, we, if I was running this church, it'd be like just nine straight songs, nothing else. Uh, everyone's got to have their hands up. You've got to clap along. And if you're not clapping along, you're not doing worship properly. We're going to have like 12 people on stage. Uh, we're going to invest in like a smoke machine. And it's like everything revolves around worship because that's who you are. And, and worship is something that brings you life and feels good to you. And, and so you're like, don't worry about the preaching. Don't worry about anything else. Uh, but we're going to focus on that. But that God has called us to be more than that. And, and sometimes we de-emphasize things. And sometimes you're like, prayer is pretty weird. You know, like, it's like, I've got to sit here quietly. I want to, like, you know, your foot's kind of like, you know, when you're trying to pray and your foot's kind of kicking and you're ready to kind of run around and, and you're like, I, I, 
like if it's longer than three minutes, like it's just too long. Like we got to we got to get rid of this and push it off to the side. And because some of you, like it's just not your thing. It's not what you're good at, and it's not you know not your strength. Or, or you might be it might be evangelism, and you'd be like talking to strangers about Jesus, or talking to anyone about Jesus for that matter. You're like that is crazy. Like it's not who God's gifted me to be. And so it'd be like evangelism is something for like one or two people who are like really keen about that. But as a church let's focus on the worship or let's, let's focus on the prayer because those are the things that I'm, I'm comfortable with and those are the things uh, which, which are easy to me. And, and that's where we, when we talk about church, when we start talking about church, it's like, what is best for me? But the thing is, like, all those things are who God has created us to be. They might not feel fun all the time, we might not be good at them. We, we might be wanting to, when we're praying, we might be wanting to run around and, and go and talk to people rather than kind of sitting there quietly. But that is who God has created us to be. And when we talk about church, when we talk about worship or evangelism or prayer or, or listening to God's word and, and, and all those different things, like they are, they are who God has created us to be. The way we worship God, that is who he has created us to be. And it's all those things. And so what happens is quite often when we, when we do those things, we'll be like, oh, like, we're doing church wrong. We're not doing enough worship. We need to do 10 songs. Don't worry about the prayer. Or, hey, like, why aren't we all doing evangelism right now? What are we doing here? Why are we here? We should be out there on the streets. And, and so we, we start developing conflict and brokenness. And, and another way that we do it is, so sometimes in terms of how we, how we uh, glorify God, uh, so what happens, so, um, when, you know, when it comes to coming to church, it's like, what's best for me? It's like, oh, like, once a month, like, I've got a busy weekend schedule, Saturday nights, I'm normally up pretty late, and it's like, so what is best for me? We start asking ourselves those questions. We start thinking about ourselves and our selfish ambition. It might be um, in terms of what suits our preferences. Do we have the piano on this side, or do we have the piano on this side? Do we, how loud are the drums? What are we, and we start thinking about what is best for me, and how should church be run, and uh, we, we start fighting over trivial things, because one person wants the piano on this side, and we get an email about it, and so then we move it, um, and then we get another email, and all of a sudden, it's chaos. You're laughing, but it's true. These are the, the things that we have, because we want church our way. We want things to be what is best for me, uh, rather than living according to who God has created us to be. And we look around finding the perfect church where the piano's on the right side, where we've got the right amount of worship songs, uh, the prayer um, isn't too long or too short, the focus on evangelism suits our comfort with talking to strangers, and we try and find what is best for me. And then it comes to serving. And we start thinking about what is best for me when it comes to serving. So it's like, all right, I need to join a ministry team because I've got to serve. Do I like kids? Not really, so don't worry about that one. Uh, what about worship? It was like, you've got to practice on, on, during the week, and it's like, oh, that's weird. maybe I can sing. It's like, well, that's kind of weird. Uh, and then you'd be like, all right, maybe, maybe I'll do sound. It's like, oh, we don't have to be there early. Uh, and so you start looking through, like, where are the perks? It's like, all right, if I, if I do this, uh, I might get a timeout voucher, so I'll get a free coffee at the end of serving. Uh, I like working with kind of the young adults because they're kind of a little bit easy to talk to. Uh, and the commitment level isn't too high because it's once a fortnight. It sounds good, perfect ministry, lock me in. And it becomes a transaction because we're not really serving and giving up something. We're doing something because it's fun and because it's easy. And when we're serving, we're thinking about what is best for me. It's not like, it's not about, oh, I get here early, but I love God and I want to serve Him. It's what is best for me and what is easiest for me and what is convenient in the way that I do something. It's serving driven by selfish ambition. It's, it's doing church by selfish ambition. And, and, it, and it becomes 
uh, something that is not really us worshipping God, but is God coming around and worshipping our, ourselves. So how, how is God going to work into our lives to kind of make us feel good about ourselves? Is God coming in and, and making us you know, feel like we're part of a, a cool club uh, where we all have a good time, uh, and it becomes about us worshipping us in the same way Eve sees something, it seems good for her, and it's not God's way, but she chooses it because that's where, how she feels things should go. And, and all those things are good things. Like, if, if you're on the worship team, we really appreciate it. It's great. If you're on the sound, whatever it is, wherever you're serving, it is amazing. And if you're using your gifts, even better. If you're good at worship and you're worshipping, even better. But serving is more than that. And church is more than just prayer because you're good at prayer. And, and doing, you know, uh, evangelism is more, like there's more to everything. And, and we need to be people who are selfless and living in according to the way that God has created us to be. Does that make sense? And so we have, we have this litmus test when we get to verse 15. This is what it says. So it says, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. And it's, this, is, this can be broken down in a much more simple way. So if, if we talk about earthly, we're talking about seeing things in the scope of here on earth. Quite, quite simple. So sometimes we, we are more concerned about our, our time here on earth rather than what we are saved to. So we, we believe that Jesus has come down and died on the cross for our sins and his victory over sin and death. That means we have a relationship with God and we get to live with him for eternity. And so a, a earthly kind of perspective is not worrying about that eternity stuff and not thinking about that, but purely living here on earth and, and trying to make sure that, you know, that small time on earth is, is really good, that bit will kind of take care of itself. And so as Christians and, and living in the way that God has created us to be, like we want to be people that are thinking about eternity. And so sometimes, you know, the, the, the time that you have here on earth, you might spend a little bit more time talking to people about Jesus than you want to than, you know, instead of watching Netflix because you see eternity and you want people to know Jesus. You want people to be with you in eternity and so you might be doing a little bit more of something that is not in your own selfish ambition for the time that you have here. The second one uh, is unspiritual. And so there's things where we, we minimise uh, or or essentially kind of try and hide who God is and what his relationship is. And so sometimes we see ourselves as, as and, and we won't admit it, but we see ourselves as God or we think God doesn't really mind too much if I don't do this thing. You know, and we, so we emphasize this idea of like, we're saved by grace, I'm already in, um, and I'm just trying to live out my life and be kind of comfortable. What is best for me? And so we kind of like, we don't treat God like he's the king of the universe. We don't treat God as someone that we should be worshipping and someone that is worthy of all that we have, but instead we kind of think he's like, he's just a nice guy and he just wants us to be happy. You know, he wants what's best for me. The other one uh, that we have is uh, when it is demonic. And so what do demons do? They, they lie. They tell us lies and sometimes they're close to the truth and they'll be like, oh, God wants this. No, he doesn't. There's nothing here that says that. He's like, God, God just wants like, God just wants me to kind of like chill. But no, like God calls us to go and make disciples. God calls us to live a life worthy of following him. God calls us to live by the, the fruit of the spirit and to be people that honor him and share who he is. 
And, and so when we, when we do these things, we, we find ourselves kind of almost making like deals with God and, and we say, oh God, like, you know, can you make this work out for me? And, and so once again, like God serves us and it's all about what is best for me rather than being who we are created to be. And, and it seems like that can kind of work and we often like we feel like it can work if we kind of are a little bit selfish and we do our thing we we feel like we can get away with it but but when we get to the next verse says from where you have envy and selfish ambition there you find disorder and every evil practice and this is the problem because when we say we want you to live according to who God has created you to be it's not because I want more volunteers because it makes my life easier. It's because when we are selfish and when we do things our way, it actually leads to destruction. It lead, when, when Adam and Eve, they took the fruit, it led to bad things. When, when uh, people rebelled against God and God flooded the earth, it was bad for them. When, when they built a tower, it was bad for them. It led to destruction and brokenness. And so we, when we talk about living according to the way God has created us to live, it's because that is who we are meant to be, and that is when life has joy and meaning and purpose. And so when, when we talk, talk about this idea of selfishness, there's almost like this cycle, as there's this circle where, where selfishness leads to broken things and, and unhappiness. And, and so what happens when we, when we are unhappy? We try and fix it. We try and fix our unhappiness. And the way that we like to fix our unhappiness is by being more selfish. And so we end up doing more selfish things. Uh, so this week, I, I had an unfortunate incident. Uh, I, was, I was visiting, uh, I was hanging out with Lockie Tapley, um, and I was reversing out. And the devil placed behind me a small red car that I couldn't see behind the back of my car because I've got a big four-wheel drive and big wheels on the back. And I couldn't see it until I had already skewered it uh, with my tow bar. Uh, and I was, needless to say, quite upset about who parked this car here, what it was doing there, how it appeared out of nowhere. Uh, and I was... Needlessly, broken and unhappy about the fact that I now have to pay to fix this thing. And so, but what is my natural reaction to how I cope with that and deal with that? I try and, you know, bury myself in things that try and make me happy that are selfish for me. So I'm like, I'm going to watch Netflix and I'm just going to block out everything. I'm not going to help anyone or do anything nice. I'm certainly not going to go to God. But we, we tend to default to being more selfish when we are unhappy. We try and, and medicate that unhappiness with doing more selfish things. That's what we do. That's what we want to do. When, when we're upset and unhappy, we look for selfish things to make us happy again. And, and this is the problem of that, that cycle of brokenness, is that we keep being more and more selfish, we keep being more and more unhappy, and the cycle just continues because it's not who we are made to be and it's not how we are meant to live. And so we kind of, we need to kind of break this cycle rather than turning to, to Netflix or, or whatever it is that you turn to uh, in selfishness. And so this is where we get to verse 17. It says that, but wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere. And this is where the cycle breaks. Because when we live 
according to who God wants us to be, when we are pure, when we are sincere, when we, when we are people of peace, we live according to the way that God has made us to live, we get out of the cycle. And we live according to the way that God has made us to live. And our, our selfishness doesn't keep leading to more brokenness, but instead we find joy in being who God has created us to be. We find joy in everything being around God as our king rather than ourselves as our own king. And so when we stop worshipping ourselves and stop being selfish, we, we follow God, we get out of brokenness. And so it's not about being unselfish so we can have a bigger church. It's not about being unselfish so we have more volunteers. It's because this is who we are created to be. We are created to be God's people. And when we do, when we do things that are pure, it's hard to be selfish. When we chase peace, it's hard to be selfish. When we do things that are sincere and we, we try and live with good fruit, it is hard to be selfish. In our, in our last verse uh, today, verse 18, it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And this is a kind of a, a strange thing to kind of focus on uh, as it concludes on, on how do we do wisdom God's way and how do we live God's way. But people who search for peace uh, are people who find it difficult to be selfish. Um, I, I like to think of it in terms of like being in a playground. If you, if you see kids playing in the playground, um, we learn about lots of fun things about the human uh, works. Uh, so if a kid has a toy that they want, what do they do? They steal it, push the kid over and steal the toy, they snatch it, and off they go, because that's what they want. Now, if you're a peacemaker in the playground and the kid has a toy that you want and they're not willing to give it up, you might not snatch it. Like, you can't do the selfish thing. Like, it's, like, if you are a peacemaker, you can't snatch the toy and you can't be selfish. If someone has a toy and they snatch it from you and you're on the playground as a, as a toddler, what do you do? Push them over. You know, you just do something, you know, you just, you might, you know, you've got small hands, but you might try and hit the kid or something like that to try and get what you want back because this person has wronged you. But if you're a peacemaker, you can't hit the kid back and you can't snatch the toy back because you're a peacemaker. You can't do the selfish thing. If someone says something mean to you on the playground and you think of all the, the good, quick, witty comments that you can come back with that will hurt them down to their very soul and you're a peacemaker, you are not going to say that thing. And so you're not going to be selfish by ruining their entire perception of the world and how it all works and breaking uh, their, and you know, hitting all their insecurities at the same time. Like You're not going to do that if you're a peacemaker. And so as a church, we want to be peacemakers because peacemakers means that we cannot be selfish. And so when it comes to issues of, of how do we do church and when it comes to how do we worship God, we are peacemakers. When it comes to searching for people to know Jesus, we want to be peacemakers that are going to search for how do we bring people to God, how do we work together, how do we do things so that we live according to who God has created us to be, but also to help other people to be who God has created us to be. And so we're going to finish up with, with three kind of key things of, of what we want to do as peacemakers. Uh, so the first one is we want to live according to God's, who, who God has created us to be. 
We want to live as God's people. If I haven't said it enough, we want to live as God's people. That is who we want to be. That is who God has made us to be. And that is what we want to do. That is, that is who we are made to be. Second, we want to be unified as a church. We can do a lot more as a unified church who are working towards anything that we want to work towards. And so as peacemakers, as people who are not selfish and just want church to be about us or our way or whatever it is, we want to be unified in and being people of peace that work together so that we can be God's people, but also for our third point, so also that we can help people to know about Jesus. Because if we are people of peace and we work together and we work hard to be God's people and, and not selfish, then we can be a church who seeks to help people to know Jesus. And, and that is one of the reasons we exist. We exist because we want people to know Jesus. The reason we're here on a basketball court is because we want people to know Jesus. The reason that we, we have very, very expensive floors instead of very, very expensive aircon is because we want people to know Jesus. And so we want to put off selfishness and living in the way that we feel like is best for us, but instead to live according to who God has made us to be and be unified and peacemakers, helping people to know Jesus, because that is what it's all about. We want people to know Jesus. We want people to join us for eternity. And so uh, we are about to start a search for a, a, a new senior pastor. Um, so this is one of the things that the management team have been working on um, very, very hardly. Uh, they've been working very hard over the last few months to get... Uh, <laughs> it's good English, eh? I'm trying really hard. Uh, I've been talking for a while. Uh, so anyway, they've been working really hard to try and, and search for a new senior pastor. Uh, and, and they have put together a, a survey... Uh, And so this survey is designed for people within the church. Uh, So if you call Lakeside your home church uh, and you are over 18, we want you to do this survey. Uh, The survey uh, will probably take you somewhere in the realm of half an hour, so it will take a little bit of time, and and you will have to think. So there are some requirements, like you have to think about these questions. Uh, And... And this survey will come out probably sometime this afternoon. There'll be a link. So if you normally get a church email, uh, you uh, will get that email sent to you. If you don't normally get the church email, uh, you can head to the Connect desk. You can fill out a Connect card and they will send you the email. Uh, If technology is not something uh, that is a friend of yours, uh, you can also get the survey printed out. And so if you would rather fill it out by hand, uh, you can also do that as well. I really want to encourage you guys, like, we believe that we all have, if we're Christians and we follow God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and guides us. Uh, and we really believe that we are a church together. It's not just a bunch of leaders telling you guys what to do. Um, you, you have God guiding you and working in your life. And so we want as many people from within the church to fill out this survey so that we can be guided uh, as a church and make a, a direction together as a church as we look for this senior pastor. And so we really want to encourage you guys to, to fill out this survey the best you can. The other thing that I really want to encourage you towards as well is that when we, when we look for a senior pastor, uh, it's very easy to ask the question, what's best for me? Right? 
what do I want in a senior pastor? Are we going to do 10 worship songs or are we going to spend the whole time praying? Like that's some, like we, it's really easy to be selfish as we look for a senior pastor. And, and so I, I really want to encourage you guys, as you fill out this survey, it's very easy to try and just create a lot of tension in terms of what we want personally as a senior pastor. But I'd really try and encourage you guys, fill out this survey according to who God wants us to be. And so think about it and pray about it. Um, worship about it, if that's more your story. But, but think about who God wants us to be as a church and, and who we are called to be as a church and fill out the serving, survey accordingly to who this senior pastor is going to be and, and how they are going to lead us towards living as God's people, being unified and, and wanting people to know Jesus. That is what we want. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to pray. Make sure you fill out the survey. Carve out some time to do it. I really, really want to encourage you guys to do it. It's really important for the management team and for that search. Uh, Father, we, we thank you that you are a good and amazing God. And, and Lord, you, you saved us and, and we have a relationship with you. But sometimes uh, we start asking the question, what's best for me? And, and Lord, that is not how you intended for us to live. You, you want us to live for you as your people. And so, Lord, please help us to cast aside selfishness, to get out of that, that loop of, of brokenness and selfishness, but rather to follow you and to find joy in who you are and having you as our King. Be with us all today as we uh, start uh, this search for the senior pastor. Lord, guide us all as individuals, as we, as a body, seek to, to discern what is best for our church uh, and what is best for our community as we search for that person. And Lord, be with us as we fill out that survey. Guide us. Help us to be people who have a passion for people to know you and a passion for our church to be unified and honouring you in what we do. We thank you for all these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Please stand and we're going to sing.